Tonight, if you have your Bibles, open if you will. We'll begin in um we'll begin in Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. And uh, we're going to read verses six through eleven as we get started here tonight. Romans six verses six through eleven. Paul's writing, he, he, under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You can stand. Romans 6, verses 6 through 11. Um, stand if you will. Uh, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And then look at verse number 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd meet with us tonight as we look in your word. I pray that you'd speak to us. And uh, I pray that we'd leave here changed, keeping our eyes on you, God. And we can't do anything without you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace and for your blessings. We thank you for this church. Help us now. In your name I pray. Amen. Uh, tonight, I'm going to speak for a few moments uh, about um, knowing who you are in Christ. Okay? Um, understanding your identity in Christ. And I found that this is very, very critical. And I found that this is a thing that the devil, especially today, he's trying to confuse people on. And we have a, a generation of people that are very confused about who they are. And they don't even know what they are anymore. And, 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 but for a Christian, the Bible is very clear on who we are. Now, before salvation, we were sinners. We were enemies against God. But thank the Lord. Uh, I remember when the Lord saved me. I was a young boy in family devotions. And I, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart. I knew I was lost. And I knew that I needed a Savior to save me from my sin. And I remember as a young boy praying. And I remember putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. As a child. And I remember as I as I lifted up my head. Um, I just felt so clean. And and, and you, why was that? Well, it wasn't just something. I mean, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. And I was dead in my trespasses and sin. And the Holy Spirit breathed life into me. And I and, and when I, I trusted Jesus, I was born again. Amen. And um, so that is who I am today. I'm a child of God. All right. I'm not a, a in God's eyes. I'm not a sinner today. I am his child and I have been washed in the blood. I have been redeemed and he sees me as he sees his own son, Jesus Christ. Jesus's righteousness. He took my sin. It was nailed to the cross. OK. And, 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 and when Jesus died, we we died. And when and the, but we were resurrected with Jesus. And so now the righteousness of Christ is is on me today. And that's how God sees me. He sees me as a saint. All right, doesn't mean I can't still sin and we still have to battle the flesh and all that, but 
God sees me as his child. But what a lot of times happens is we forget about that. We forget about who we truly are. And what the devil wants us to do, the devil wants us to go back and and think about who we used to be and what we used to do. And the devil wants to use that to hold over our heads uh, to get us to trip and stumble today. And, and, and so a lot of people struggle with what I would call spiritual amnesia. They're born again, but they forget they, they forget what their true identity is. And it causes them to struggle with, with sins and strongholds and different things. But it's very important to know who you are. Paul in Romans chapter six, he, he, he's telling, he's telling the people, you, You've been raised with Christ. Death has no more dominion over over you. Uh, But I like verse number 11 because he he states the truth. You know, you 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 were your sins was nailed to the cross and you've been buried with Christ. But look what he says in verse number 11, the the first few words. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a, there's a, a factual thing. We're children of God today. Our sin has been taken away. But what do we have to do on a daily basis if we're going to live victoriously? We're going to have to likewise reckon that. In other words, we need to remember that. And we need to claim that so that when the devil comes and tries to tempt us or bring up our past or, or bring up something we can we can say, devil, I'm you're not my you're not my boss anymore. I'm not you're no longer my father. I am now a child of God and we can live in that. So it's very important to know who you're what your identity. There was a man by the name of Benjamin Kyle. They called him Benjamin Kyle. They uh they found him uh, outside of Savannah, Georgia, behind a Burger King. And um he had he he didn't have any clothes on. He had a big old his head was caved in. He had covered in fire ants. They found this guy. He was barely alive. They, they, he didn't have any ID. So they, of course, they called the police. They called the ambulance. They took him to the hospital. And he was in the hospital for, for weeks. And then he finally came to and he started to get some senses about him. And, and so they, but nobody had come uh, to figure out who this guy was. And there wasn't any missing person's report. They had did his fingerprints and put him in the system. He wasn't on any FBI registry. He didn't seem to have a criminal past, but they didn't know who this guy was. And um, he finally woke up and was able to speak. And they said, hey, who are you? We need to call your relatives. We need to call somebody to let them know where you're at, what's going on. And the guy went to, to tell him who he was. And then this guy couldn't remember his name. And it was one of the few times in it was one of the few cases that's that's actually documented where where this guy had really severe amnesia. And uh, he went this guy. They ended up calling him BK. And then he took that and because behind Burger King and and uh, he, he, he took the name Benjamin Kyle. And uh, it took him 11. It took him 11 years, I believe, before he was able to find out who he was. He actually, Dr. Phil did, a, did a, an episode on this guy. And, and this guy, it took him 11 years to figure out for who he was. And here's what happened, though. In that time period, when um, he didn't know who he was, you think his life was very productive? No, he couldn't hardly do anything. 
He couldn't get on an airplane. He couldn't get a job. He didn't have a social security number. Um, he couldn't even get a library card. And he found himself just, just basically living at, on people's mercy. And he let, he lived in a room behind of a church. He, he, he lived at a rescue mission. But for 11 years, because he didn't know who he was, he couldn't move forward. You know? But you know what? That's what the devil wants to do to us. He wants us to forget about the grace of God, which we have experienced. And he wants to get us to think about things on the past, you know, to get us all focus. And and, and so um, we need to remember who we are in Christ. When you know who you are, you know where your value comes from. You know, you, you, you know, you, you know where your fulfillment comes from. And you know, a lot of people today, they, uh, they look for fulfillment, uh, from, from culture. You know, they want to fit into the culture, um, maybe even their family. You know, you got people that can never live up to an overbearing parent, no matter how hard they try, they'll never be able to, 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 to please that overbearing parent, you know? And it causes a lot of people pain and torment. Um, a lot of people live for uh, for social media, you know, for what everybody else is saying about them, for what uh, what the you know the people down the street are saying, what the neighbors are saying. That's not uh, as Christians today. We're free from that because we know we know who we are. In First Peter chapter two, verse nine and ten. Paul write, uh, Peter writes, he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That is who we are today in Christ. And we need to remember that. We don't need to let the devil bring up our past. We don't need to try to live up to the approval of everybody else who's who's living for the world, for the world's approval. We can keep our eyes on Jesus because we know who we are. Out of our purpose comes our out of our identity. Uh, we get our purpose and our motivation. And um you know, the world is looking for a purpose. People out there in the world, you, you go and talk to people. The, many people today, they don't know why they're here. And if you take the if you take the evolution and the and the secular approach to the world. And I, I was just in the States a few days and I I talked to a guy at a state park and um, come to find out he was a missionary kid from Africa. But it was sad because this guy was now an agnostic. And he never got born again. It was very obvious. And in fact, he said that. And, uh, and, and, and so he was telling me about just all the problems he has. He's, he's addicted to drugs and, um, he's suicidal, but, but he don't believe in God, you know? Yeah. And, and so he sees all the problems in the world and he sees all the pain and he don't know how to process that, you know? Yeah. So it leads to despair because what is the, pur- I said, well, what is your purpose for living? He's like, there is no purpose. And I'm like, well, that must be depressing. He's like, yeah, it is. I'm about to I'm about to kill myself, you know. But that's what happens when you don't know who you are. And that's what happens when you don't have a purpose for living. Um, I remember when when a couple months back I was in Zambia still back in, I think, February, March, when um, 
when Ukraine, when Russia invaded Ukraine, and I don't know everything about that politically and speaking and all that stuff, but I do know this, when they first invaded, I believe Russia and Putin thought that Kiev would fall really quickly. And they thought everybody would just, you know, throw up their hands and not want to go through the fight. And, uh, and from what I read, um, it's like a lot of the Russian soldiers didn't know that they were going in for an invasion. They had been taught, they had been told that they're going for exercises. But, but when they went in, what they found is the people there in Kiev, a lot of those, those men, they were ready to die. And they were pulling branches and metal in front of the road, throwing petrol bombs on the tanks. What was the difference there? Why, why did the, the side that had all the machinery and all the, the air superiority struggled to take that? And the reason is, is because they didn't know their purpose for being there, a lot of them. But it's very important to us. Now, Ukraine, they did know. But, but it's important for us today. To understand we're in a battle also, it's important for us to know our purpose and it comes from our identity. We are, uh, we are in Christ today. We are children of God. We're no longer slaves to, to sin and, and children of the devil. God is our Father. Um, in Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two, we get to see a little bit about what God says about our purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Paul writes here, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, so that's our identity. Okay, we were dead. We've been quickened. We've been raised together. We're sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right. But here's our purpose. Verse number seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Jesus. You see that? Um, listen, I'm glad I'm born again. I'm glad I got saved as a young man. I don't have to go to hell. Amen. That, that's a wonderful thing. And, and, and life is so much better as a Christian. Uh, I mean, the, I, I don't believe I'm missing out on anything today. Uh, trying to live the life of a Christian. Um, but what I've come to understand and I thank God for saving me. And I, there's many benefits that I receive from my salvation. But here in verse number seven, the Bible says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You know what that means there? That means God saved me. He saved you. If you know Jesus Christ, you're saved. You're born again today. And for eternity to come in the future. We are going to be examples, trophies, if you will, of the mercy and the kindness and the grace of God. What a wonderful thing that is. So what that means is that um, even my salvation, it's ultimately for his glory. It's not about me. And I got a lot out of it, praise the Lord. But but it's so that God could receive glory uh, for his mercy and grace in the ages to come. 
So if that's true for the ages to come, it should be true for us today. What is my purpose today? What is your purpose? It's to live in such a way that God can be glorified with my body, with my life. And when you understand that, when you, when you get that, it changes your whole perception on living and especially when you face problems and difficulties, you know, it, it changes everything because, you know, Cancer can come. You know, I don't. COVID can come. Uh, Problems and and things and the death of a child can come. And, And but if you understand that God brings us into situations and we see it in the book of Job and, and and what is the purpose? And we don't understand why he does everything. But I know this. It's so he can receive honor and glory out of that. And we have to trust him with that. But when we understand that, when we understand who we are, it allows us to understand the purpose. And then from that purpose even comes the motivation. And our motivation, we can find that in Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians, chapter five, verse 14 and 15. Second Corinthians, chapter five, verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. The Apostle Paul said, for the love of the love of Christ constraineth us. It's when you know who you are and you understand your purpose, you'll begin to understand your motivation changes for service. And it's very important to know why you do what you do. Right. You know, if you're living for the approval of other people, if you're living for the approval of the culture, if you're living, if you're serving just to please the, the Sunday school teacher or the deacon or the pastor, you know what will happen eventually? You're going to get discouraged. And eventually you're going to quit. If your motivation is anything other than the love of Christ, eventually you'll stop serving the Lord. Because Jesus has to be the reason for our service. And we all know people who who were in church, but they're out in the world today. And and a lot of times you ask about anybody who's out in the world, they're going to tell you a story why I was there and this happened and this happened and, and someone hurt me. And I don't think people should hurt people, by the way. But I know this, we're all fallen, we're all flesh, and we all sinners who need grace, and, and I need as much grace as you need grace. And, and we have to, we, we gotta love each other and serve one another. But we understand this, we do what we do ultimately for Jesus' sake. You know, there, there's times in, in, even in Zambia where you know, you're serving people and you're doing and you've been doing and you've helped and helped. And then the first time you don't do exactly what the person thinks you ought to do, it's like you never did anything for them, you know. And you, you begin to wonder, why am I even here? You know, why do I? I thought they'd appreciate me, but it doesn't seem that way. But then you begin to understand that, you know what? I, I want the people to hear the gospel and I'm there to serve the people and love the people. But it's ultimately about the glory of God. And even if the world rejects us, you know what? We still get to preach the name of Jesus Christ and lift him up. 
And he's worthy. He's he's worthy for that. It's our motivation. So we have our we have we know our identity. We understand our purpose. We we it gives us motivation. I'll talk just a moment here about implementation. How do we go about practically, you know, understanding these truths, but applying them on a day by day basis? And and, and, and John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verses uh, four and five. The Bible says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I'm, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you, ye can do nothing. Here's the secret to, to, to living the Christian life. You, you understand who you are. You understand your purpose and you, the motivation for service. But to do it every day, what do we got to do? We have to learn to abide in Christ. We can't do it in the flesh. You know, the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And do we think we're going to be able to to go toe-to-toe with the devil in the flesh? No, we have to be abiding in the vine. Because we can't do anything without him. I'll give you an illustration from the Old Testament. In in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, I'll I'll just read it. Um, It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now, let me give you the context of that verse. Um, Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And, uh, of course, they got to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up Mount Sinai, but he takes Joshua with him. But he leaves Joshua halfway up, and then he goes the rest of the way up Mount Sinai, and Moses receives the law. And he's, you know, he's hearing from God, and, and Joshua don't get to go all the way. I'm sure he knows something's going on up there, but something's also going back on back down in the camp. So finally Moses comes down and he, he picks up Joshua and they head back down to the camp. And as they go back down to the camp, they hear all the ruckus going on. They, they get down there and they see all the people dancing around worshiping the golden calf. Of course, Moses breaks the stone tablets. And then if you read that passage, Moses goes into the tabernacle and he goes to meet with God. And... um now, Joshua didn't get to go to the top of the mountain into God's presence. But I think Joshua at this point, I don't know. It's like he's following Moses and he don't get stopped. So Moses goes in the tabernacle. I mean, Joshua goes into the tabernacle also. And the Bible says there Moses spoke to the Lord face to face. OK, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And so Moses talked to God. He interceded for the people, for the children of Israel on behalf of the children of Israel. Then Moses gets a word from God. He goes back out to talk to the people. But where does Joshua go? Now, up until this point, Joshua is, is almost, he's trying to follow Moses everywhere Moses goes. But now Moses is gone and God's presence is still there in the tabernacle. The Bible says this, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And so I think we see something a little bit special about Joshua. What made Joshua different from all the other young men there in the camp. And I think this is why Joshua was one of the two good spies that said the Lord is able to give us the land. And why did Joshua have that faith? 
was because Joshua knew what it was to spend time in the presence of God. He, he, he understood the importance of that. If he was going to be faithful, if he was going to be victorious, if he was going to keep his eyes on the Lord, he needed to have an intimate relationship with his God. And up until that point, he was going everywhere Moses went. But you know what? When he said, you know what? I get to stay here. I'm going to follow Moses or I'm going to stay here in God's presence. Joshua decided to stay in the tabernacle. Are you spending, are we spending time with God? Walking with God. We can't do it. We can't do it in our own flesh. We have to have, uh, we have to walk with the Lord. We have to abide in Christ. And, uh, from that, from, a, from a life abiding in Christ, there's many things I, I could say, but, but one thing that's important is faithfulness. Is faithfulness. A, a verse we use for our Bible club, we're called the, un, for the boys, we call them the unmovables. I thought that was pretty cool. And, um, but we use, uh, 1 Corinthians 15:58 as our theme verse over there. And it's really a good verse, especially for young men. And uh, if you if you read the previous verses, Paul's writing and he's talking about, you know, who the Corinthians were in Christ and and where they're going. And, you know, they don't have to fear and all this. And then he says in first Corinthians 1558, therefore, my beloved brethren, you know, because of who you are, because you're of where you're going and your future being secured. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, my, listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're in Christ today, um, your eternity secured. You know? Um, the big problem we have is, is fixed if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And, and so for a Christian, the worst thing that can happen would mean that we see Jesus Christ face to face. And listen, we're all going to die one day. We're all terminal, right? We're all going to die. But for a Christian, we have hope beyond the grave. So no matter what happens, no matter who turns against us, our, our eternity is secure. Now, if we believe that is true, then, then we ought to be faithful. Because um, our labor is not in vain. We can be steadfast. We can move on. We can be unmovable. We can be um, we can be faithful. Uh, in first Corinthians four, verse two, Paul writes, he says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what faithful. Never underestimate the the importance of, of simple faithfulness in the life of a Christian. There's going to be times when you're tempted to quit, when you think, well, nobody's appreciating me. Remember who you're doing it for. And you be faithful. Remember, we're going to be judged not according to how big our ministries are. We're going to be judged according to our faithfulness. What are we going to hear at the judgment seat of Christ? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let us be faithful. Let us not just be faithful, but let us also um, live holy lives. 
First Corinthians, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God's given us a body. Let's use it for him. Live holy, acceptable unto God. Verse number two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does it mean to renew your mind? I think it essentially means to abide in Christ, to renew your mind, to to meditate, to read your Bible and meditate upon the truths of the word of God. You know, the devil tries to come and brings up your past or or, or, or tempts you and or, or somebody tries to come and discourage you with their words. What should we do? We need to be renewing our mind on a daily basis, remembering who we are, remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, how much. God loves us. All right. So that that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We should use our our bodies for the for, for God. It's very reasonable. Our bodies belong to God. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, they would take an they would take a, a sacrifice and they'd put it on the altar. And what would they put underneath the? They put fire under there, right? They'd burn it. Well, we don't do that today, thank God. We Jesus died on the cross and it is finished. We we don't have to, you know, we don't have to kill goats and 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 cows and sheep today. Uh, Jesus did that on the cross; it's finished. But He says today, what are we to give? We're to give ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice, and we simply say, Lord, I am Yours. Whatever You want. With my life, I'm willing to do it. Whatever you desire, I'm yours. And and you know what will happen? Then we get we give our lives and and we burn out for him. Amen. But you know what? Sometimes the fire starts to come and it gets a little bit hot. We want to get off the altar. You know, no, let's stay on the altar. Let's give give our lives as a as a sacrifice to the Lord. You know, if uh, if you know your identity and understand your purpose and you understand your motivation and you learn to abide in Christ on a daily basis and be faithful and holy, there'll be some things that will come from our lives as we seek to serve the Lord. And one of those is love. Paul, Paul writes in. First Corinthians 13, he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And I think, you know, the rest of that chapter there, it's, it's the chapter on charity. But uh, Christians ought to be known as loving people. And you know what? As we minister to people, as we talk to our neighbors and, and relatives and people who don't know the Lord, people who's 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 bound in sin today. We need to have compassion upon those people and we need to show them love. And you know what? When you're in the ministry, what you'll find out is. People will hurt you sometimes, you know. There's a story. I heard a story about a farmer. He had a cat. He had a barn cat. He loved his cat, had it for many years. And uh, one day a big storm came and there was a flash flood and the creek running by the farm began to flood. And that little creek turned into a river. And uh, this this farmer got to look for he couldn't find his cat and 
finally he saw the cat running down the hill, hill in the rain on the other side of the creek. And, uh, and he watched that cat try to cross this, 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 this branch and the branch broke and the cat fell into the water and was going to get drowned in the water. So the farmer, he loved his cat. He ran along the, he, he ran along the bank and he found a place where a tree was overhanging over the, over, over that creek that was flooded. And that farmer rolled up his sleeve. And he saw that cat coming and he reached down in that water and grabbed that big cat. And of course, when he did, that cat stuck all his paws into the arm of that farmer. That farmer had to take the cat up to the barn and one by one, the cat was scared to death and, and, and pry those, pry those, uh, paws, uh, uh, nails, claws out of his arm. Time he did, he was covered with blood. But I, I learned something. I get something from that. You know, people are. I mean, they're they're in, they're lost in their sin. They're they're in bondage to their sin. And Jesus died on the cross for them. And if Jesus can love them, we ought to love them. And we and sometimes that means sticking your hand or spending time. And, and, and grabbing on to people who may not understand what you're trying to do. They might not understand that you're trying to serve them for their benefit, that you're trying to show them love and, and pull them out of hell. And in the process, sometimes people can end up hurting you. Just like that cat hurt that farm. But what do we do? We love them anyway. And we understand that sometimes as we serve people and as we minister, there will be pain. And we're all people. We're all human beings. But 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 we love people regardless because Christ loved us. And we understand who we are and we understand our purpose, our motivation. So we choose to love people even when that means sometimes we get hurt in the process. The other thing that comes from understanding our our identity and our purpose and is is peace. Isaiah twenty six three is one of my favorite verses. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Philippians four six and seven. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. Um, so many people in the world today, they don't have peace. You know, they're looking uh, to Hollywood to, for the answers. Uh, they're looking for edu- to education for the answers. Um, they're trying to get the approval of, of friends, of, of people who don't know, know God. They're living their life for um, for other people. And they don't know, they don't have any peace. And that's why today the, the fentanyl epidemic is so bad in this nation now. I read somewhere where it's killing, I mean, it's killing teenagers. Like every day they're finding teenagers who don't even, they didn't even know they had a problem. They're just finding them dead. Why, why is this happening? What's going on here? Well, there's a spiritual battle taking place. Okay. And, and, and people don't, they don't have any peace in their life. So they're looking for substitutes when when the answer is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
So what should we do? We need to we need to tell people about Jesus. We need to tell people where true peace is found. And there is peace in knowing Jesus Christ as your savior and knowing why you're here and knowing your purpose and what you're living for and and all that. You don't you can have it takes a lot of the pressure off. Amen. I'll close with an illustration. I think everybody knows it, but um, it is well with my soul. Written by uh, Horatio Spafford, I believe is his name. And maybe a few people here who don't know how that song came about. I think, you know, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Um, Horatio Spafford, um, his his four-year-old son died. And then not long after that, um, in the great Chicago fire of 1871, all his businesses burned down. He lost everything. And it was a very difficult time for him and his wife and his and his daughters. I think he had had two more daughters. And um, so um, finally he was trying to pick up the pieces. And so he, he decided to take a. To go to England and take a and try to take some time off. And I, from what I understand at that time, D.L. Moody was doing some campaigns over there and he wanted to maybe even go and help D.L. Moody with some uh, evangelistic campaigns. But. Um, he needed to meet with some lawyers concerning his businesses in the fire. So he sent his wife and his daughters on a boat ahead of him, and then he was going to catch up. And uh, the problem was the boat never made it to England. And before it got to England, it struck another vessel, and that boat sank. And a few days later, Horatio Spafford got a, he got a, uh, a telegram from his wife that simply said the boat had sank and she had been saved alone. So here we have a man who was serving the Lord, trying to do what was right. He lost his son. He lost all his businesses in a fire. He's lost his daughters now in a a shipwreck. So he gets on a boat. He goes to meet his wife in England. And um, he told the the captain of the boat, he said, when we get to the place where, uh, where that boat carrying my daughters and my wife went down i want you to let me know and so the captain did and so horatio spafford that night he, he went up to the deck on that boat and looked down in the water and he got to thinking about his life he got to be thinking about his daughters but praise the lord he got to think about his savior also and 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 while he was on that boat god began to to give him the words god god i don't think it was inspiration like scripture no but but i, I do believe um he was walking with god and god did a work there and he began to pin those those words to that song. It is well with my soul when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. So in other words, he said, it is well with my soul. And as you get through the verses, you start to see him work out in his mind why he's able to say that. You know, he wasn't just saying it for no reason. Look at the, 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 the I think it's the last verse. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. OK, what is he talking about there? My sin is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. He's talking about his identity in Christ. You see that? And 
even in the difficulty of losing his daughters, losing his son, losing his business, losing everything, God gave peace to that man. You know, that same peace is available to us today. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, number one? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then um, then uh, the Bible says, um, you know, you're, you're still a sinner. You're, you're still a child of, of Satan. But there's freedom today. And it's found in Jesus Christ. You can become a child of God. You can have your identity changed. And then you'll have a purpose. You have something to live for no matter what, no matter what happens. Get laid off, lose your job. Something happens to your family. No matter what happens, you have, you still have an identity. You still have a purpose. And you get to live for Jesus. And what a blessing that is to be able to live for our Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your goodness and grace. I thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. I pray that you'd use this message to speak to hearts. Lord, help us to remember every day, God, who we, who you are. Lord, help us to understand, Lord, our purpose is to give you the glory, to live for you, to walk with you. Lord, we can't do it without walking with you, God. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen.